Okay, welcome to another episode of Reflections of a CEO. Today I am joined uh, by my co-host, Cody, president at Jacked. Cody, say hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, so this is an exciting episode, uh, I think. Um, what we're going to do today is run through the 2018 financials for Jacked, and uh, that's why I wanted Cody uh, to be here to, uh, to run us through that. And, uh, you know, the reason uh, why we're doing this, uh, before we get into the actual numbers, I think it's good to have a uh, kind of an explanation. Some people um, kind of ask, why are you guys doing this? I even had a message uh, from, from our lawyers this morning uh, saying, hey, uh, uh, maybe, maybe don't do it. Um, <laughs> put out our numbers. I kid you not. I have a text literally this morning from, uh, from them saying that. And uh, we started doing this about... I don't know, a year, year and a half, two years ago. And uh, started doing it because as we were growing Jacked, there was no real benchmark to kind of look at to know, hey, how, how are we doing? And um, because mostly private companies, you're not required to release your financials. Like we have no obligation to do this. Um, and it's something that I would have liked along the way to say, oh, hey, that's how a company like ours is doing financially. Here's how much revenue they're doing. Here's how much they're spending on marketing or whatever it is. And so, uh, so we decided, hey, let's just you know, be that company. Let's, let's do it. Um, so we started sharing our financials, uh, throwing them out publicly. And, and uh, people were also wondering, hey, what, what happens when, uh, if you have a good month versus a bad month? And it's like, hey, if we're going to share it, we're just going to be you know, open about it all the time. So anyways, that's when we started doing it. And uh, we've kept doing it. Um, you know, over the past year and a half or so. And, uh, and now uh, we're going to be doing a recap of all of 2018. So each month we release the financials, we put them on our blog. Um, we'll probably be recording podcasts like this about it. Uh, but right now we're going to give you a, a look back into the, the entire year and kind of dive into the details. Uh, so hopefully it will be helpful for, for everyone out there. So um, let's dive into it. So 2018 financials. Maybe we can start with just a, a high-level overview on the summary of how did we do total revenue, profit, etc., and then from there um, we can dive into some of the details. I'll, I'll ask you some questions to help guide it, but sure. uh, start uh, like that. So let me ask a question before oh, we go into sure. that. Yeah, please. You know, um, we had a goal in 2018. Ah, uh, right? yes. And what was that goal? That way we can reference that in terms of how we actually how we actually did. For this yeah, that's good. Out. So uh, so we put. Uh, out some pretty ambitious targets uh, for 2018. And uh, just for reference, uh, 2017, I believe we did around uh, 1, 1.7 million in revenue, something like that. Uh, our target for uh, 2018, we set at 4 million in revenue. So uh, more than doubling the revenue. And uh, we had set a target uh, of I believe we had set it for 15% net profit. Is that correct? I'm trying to remember back to our initial goals. 15. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I believe our, our initial, yeah, yeah. yeah, our target was so four, four million uh, in top line revenue with a 15% uh, net profit margin. So that translates to $600,000 in profit. So uh, that was our target um, at the beginning of the year. Uh, a little bit scary, uh, admittedly looking back, it was like, wow, how are, how are we gonna do this? But we kind of, we, we set it and, uh, now let's, how did we do, Cody? Yeah, so um, as we talk about the financials, uh, for those not 
informed in like this type of business, we're always going to be talking about two numbers. We're going to talk about accrual and cash. Mm. And it's probably important to explain the difference between the two. So when we talk about accrual revenue, we essentially mean this is all revenue that has been billed out to partners. We have sent out an invoice that says this much money is owed to us. But in the service industry, everyone that sends out invoices, I'm sure, is very well aware that you may not get the money <laughs> that you have invoiced out. Uh, now, you can remedy that by selecting great partners and you know not putting yourself in a situation where you're going to get not paid. Um, yep. But uh, but it, it definitely does occur. And I think it also importantly does occur where sometimes you may have an accrual revenue amount and a cash revenue amount that are different. But ultimately, you do end up collecting that cash revenue, just maybe a little bit later mm -hmm. than you originally thought you would. Uh, so when we talk about you know revenue, we're going to talk about both because there's discrepancies and the discrepan the there's important uh, things to look at in terms of understanding the discrepancy, and then also you know as you manage your own business, you'll determine uh, how that cash uh, revenue you know affects how you need to actually think about your day-to-day -day operations and how much cash you have on hand at certain moments. Uh, because we, we run on cash, Yeah. right? <laughs> We're a cash-based business. Uh, so uh, looking at total revenue for 2018, we had this uh, audacious goal, $4 million. Um, our actual total accrual revenue for the year was $3,945,000. Ooh! Very close, pretty damn close to our goal. Um, you know, uh, Average, you know, sort of monthly revenue for us was was over three hundred thousand. We had, um, you know, one month in the year where we went well over four hundred thousand, and only one month in the year that we dipped below three hundred thousand. Huh. Um, but uh, overall, you know, average sort of monthly accrual revenue for us was about three hundred and thirty, three hundred and forty thousand. Uh, is a pretty pretty, solid. pretty strong year overall. And now, in terms of cash revenue, we actually came in just a little bit under. At uh, three point eight, mm -hmm. so three million eight hundred thousand. Yep. So there's a slight discrepancy between what we build uh, in accrual and what we actually got paid in cash. About a hundred and forty thousand dollars right. wasn't paid to us, uh, which uh, honestly, in in our world, not that bad. Uh, we will make up that hundred and forty in terms of stuff that uh, payments that would come in in January twenty nineteen. Yeah. Just, uh, if you have a running a service business, it's a nice head start on your year. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, it's, so it's not that we, uh, there, there's, I think, two distinctions here. One is that people may just literally just not pay you. But two, it may just be that you build and you hadn't collected yet, right? Now, a good practice would be to look at these metrics over the course of years, understand the percentage discrepancy over time, and then plan for it. Yeah. But that's a pretty common thing if you run... A service business or an agency uh, pretty much for the past seven years it's always been accrual is slightly above uh, mm -hmm. cash so so I, I would say you know uh, technically we did not hit our goal but we came pretty damn yeah, close. We, uh, we, were, we were shy by about 55,000 uh, pretty close um, and um, that's a that's also just a good operational practice to say mm -hmm. like you know if if our goal was 3.5 for our goal was three um, would we have come in below that goal too? Uh, because, but we just right. wouldn't have pushed ourselves hard enough uh, right. to achieve whatever we set out to do. Um, so, in that sense, you know, if you're thinking about your own revenue goals for an incoming year, maybe a little bit 
farther than you think is possible is the right way to establish that goal. Yeah, that's super interesting you say that. It goes into the, uh, I've been really keen on this lately, the, the idea of the, the law of attraction, when what you put out to the world, um, you know, comes to you. And, uh, and uh, thinking about it, yeah, when we set this out, uh, really didn't know that we were gonna hit it, uh, but kind of threw it out to the, to the world. And, and funny enough, we came right up against that, uh, that mark. So that is a good practice, I think, uh, that Cody just shared, so great. So now let's share another important number mm -hmm. uh, for us or for any other agency, and that is the uh, amount spent on cost of goods, mm -hmm. right? So when we talk about cost of goods, um, say you're running a team and you know, you're billing out um, you know, $1,000 a month, cost of goods is what you need to pay that team that is doing the work and the amount that you're making is the money on top of that, right? right. So you always think about, uh, especially in the service industry, your cost of goods. So our cost of goods for the year, um, in accrual and cash is essentially very, very similar. There really shouldn't be uh, a ton of discrepancy there, but it was basically 1.9, one, you know, 1.9 million. Uh, yeah, that's right. And then yeah. uh, the, the percentage is essentially what matters, which is that there's some slight deviance in some months, but our accrual and cash uh, cost of goods percentage of our total revenue was basically a flat 50%. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a really important projection number because essentially it gives you the capability to say, I'm about to plan out a new year, how, how much do I need to spend on the resources for that amount of work? Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so some agencies and then if when you have internal ops people, uh, you, your goal is to optimize that number. So we, we were, uh, you know, we averaged out 50% for the year. Some months we were 45, some months we were, you know, one month we were 58%. Uh, right. So the, you really want to optimize that number. Uh, so, and it's kind of a balance between 50% uh, I think is pretty standard and a lot of that people- That was actually would, our target for the yeah, year, by the way. A lot of yeah. people would be very comfortable with that number, but if you can get your cost of goods percentage revenue down to 45%, right. Uh, then you're going to get a little bit more top line revenue, but the balance and the question you're always asking yourself is who who is this team? Who mm -hmm. are the people? And do they provide a high quality of work? Right. And are we doing great work for our partner? And is our service something that we're proud of? And if you can do that while optimizing your cost of goods percentage, then you're doing both. Right. That now you can also whittle your cost of goods percentage down, and you'll see this with. Um, a lot of offshoring agencies where like their cost of goods percentage is extremely low because mm -hmm. they're all of their work is outsourced to uh, the Ukraine or to India and they say like well this is really really cheap and we just make a huge upside on it mm -hmm. but that, you may not be comfortable with the quality of work in that situation yeah I think it depends on the industry right so we're talking about our specific type of agency versus other ones there is like this this balance between cost of goods sold and there's a trade-off between your profit and quality of work so you know, for us, we're at 50%, maybe we try and get that down even to, to 40%, but there is this threshold, I think, where, and I think it varies for everyone, where all of a sudden, if you, you cross a certain threshold, your quality of work is just gonna dip, and then what's gonna happen is later, your revenue will go down and profit goes yeah. down. And, or or you know. your team will be overworked yeah. uh, because oh, or you're that, trying to maximize right? time and, and everybody is literally eight to 10 hours a day, um, you know, allocated to project yeah. work. They're working they have, 80 hours a week. And, uh, yeah, you know, that, that's how you get it down. Um, so, so it's an important number. And it's I think it's one of the, the more valuable percentages to understand how you've been working at applied to your incoming months in terms of like, well, if I think I'm gonna get this, if I'm gonna land this big 200K 
uh, 600K million dollar project, I can project out mm. what I'll need in resources for that because right. we run it pretty tightly uh, throughout the year. Yep. Uh, and then yeah. I think maybe the big number that is the the one that matters <laughs> is, uh, is uh, in our case profit. Yep. Uh, so uh, profit comes in accrual and cash just like anything else. Um, you know, um, it, after you remove the ops cost and the cost of goods cost and anything that we're spending on marketing, you end up with you know your gross profit and your net profit at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So gross profit for us um, in uh, cash and accrual was essentially very similar. Um, that slight difference in terms of the top line revenue also is displayed here, uh, but it's about 1.9 million and same thing, yeah, same thing, about 49, 50%. Yep, um, which makes sense, right? You take the revenue minus the COGS, uh, and, and and you get the gross profit. So, yeah. uh, uh, but but that is not total. That's yeah. not what we keep. So gross profit is that's the rest of our money. But then the everything below that is where you start to really ask the questions about how are you running your business mm -hmm. and where are you spending your money. Uh, cost of goods you have to have because you have to service the work that you're selling. Right. Uh, but all everything after in this 1.9 million, this is kind of our play space, mm -hmm. and it's like. How much are you allocating to internal operations? How, how much are you allocating to marketing and sales? Um, so on and so forth. Right. Um, so we can get in the weeds on those actual values, uh, yeah. unless you want to stay around gross profit. Let's do, uh, no, maybe we get into yeah. the um, uh, the net profit number, but then we go into cool. uh, yeah, the details of mark how much we spent on marketing, finance, whatever. So in terms of net profit, remember uh, what Anthony said, our target for the year was 15%. Mm -hmm. Uh, in terms of actual uh, net profit and accrual, um, we ended up at $865,000, uh -huh. uh, which is a 22% net profit margin. Yeah, so that's a, that's quite a bit higher, you know, $265,000 yeah. higher in profit and 7%. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, um, that's pretty good. That's accrual though, so. Yeah. And then um, in terms of cash, which is really the, what matters. How much money, money we actually got. <laughs> uh, we ended up at 711,000 and 19% mm -hmm. net profit in so, cash. So still 110,000, 11,000 higher and 4% uh, higher. Um, so you'll see there's a difference, right? Between accrual and cash, 865 versus 711. Oh. Um, can you speak a little bit about uh, why there's, you know, on the outside it looks, wow, that's a hundred Fifty, you know, something thousand dollar difference. Uh, what is the difference, or what leads to such a big difference uh, between those two numbers? Uh, if you can remember off the top of your head, I can't. I yeah. honestly can't. Yeah, I have, I'm trying to remember. I have, uh, I have two things that it was. Yeah. So, one thing that, and we've been doing this for years in the business. Uh, come December time, a very common practice is uh, when you're running a cash-based business, is uh, you pay off a bunch of your expenses right. uh, that you've accrued, um, but you don't collect all that money. So um, that 865 number is actually a pretty legit number um, for like, hey, how much profit did we actually do? But what we did in December was we paid out a bunch of our um, expenses and didn't collect all that money. So December, we actually ran it on a cash basis at a loss. And why we do that is because we know we're gonna get the money like the first week of January, but uh, we want to lower our, our amount that we uh, then have to pay taxes because we pay taxes based on a cash basis, not an accrual basis. Um, and so we, we play with uh, the numbers there legally. 
Um, <laughs> we, we, we play with everything um, the, so that we reduce it. Yeah, the, the important note there is that out of uh, a 12-month year, December is the only month that we end up at a cash loss. Yep. Um, and that's so, tactical. Yep, so that was tactical. The only other thing that uh, I, I know led to this uh, was we, we did have one, uh, one customer um, that uh, has a large outstanding balance that has not been paid. So on an accrual basis, we show mm -hmm. a bunch of revenue, we incurred the cost, and this was right. mid middle of the year, um, and so we didn't receive it. So that's when you see, right, there's, there's two ways to kind of uh, have a discrepancy between accrual and, and cash basis. One is you just haven't collected the money, and, and two is uh, you decided to spend a lot of, uh, you know, or pay out a lot of expenses. So mm -hmm. that's the difference. Um, you, you know, there was also uh, one other uh, thing that happened during the year. We had a one-off case where we uh, had a legal settlement um, that also impacted these these numbers, but was taken into account on the uh, um, accrual side and cash basis. Um, but that was ballparking, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of that one, but the ballpark is uh, around 100K, let's say. So actually, when you look at the numbers on an accrual basis, if you add that back in, Instead of 865, you're looking at 965, mm -hmm. right? If we didn't have that one-off, unique legal uh, settlement, um, and then on a cash basis, instead of 711, you'd have 811. So, um, pretty close to that, uh, at least on an accrual basis, pretty close to the one million dollar mark, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Nice, yeah. That one million would have been a 25 percent, uh, right? 25 percent profit margin, which is, um, you know, industry standard. I think a lot of people are very happy with 20. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we set 15 because we thought that we would do some pretty heavy reinvestment throughout the year, and we even did. We increased yeah. our marketing spend. Uh, we, um, we'll get into that in a second, but there were some months where we were running a marketing spend upwards of $40,000 a month. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, even having that spend, we really came in and around, um, you know, very close to 20%. Um, would have been 25 uh, without that settlement, uh, and 25 is a, is a really strong number for an agency super healthy. as well. Yeah, yeah su super healthy. That's that's a number that uh, we'd be very happy with. Really happy with these numbers too because it's above target. Um, so let's actually dive into the how, how did we actually get to the 22 and the 19? Mm -hmm. So just as a, a reminder for for people, right? You have revenue, you take out your cogs. Uh, and then you're left with an amount. And from there, you have operational expenses like marketing and sales, finance and accounting, rent, any of those things. And then once you subtract that, you get to a net profit number. So uh, essentially what we're saying is we had ballpark 30% of our um, uh, costs you, you know, were due to these operational um, expenses. Uh, so can you break down some of that sure. if we have it? Yeah. So let's take a look. Um, Really easy math would be like let's take that all that money that we made for the year the let's say four million you immediately subtract two million uh, because it's going right. to go to your cost of goods so you have two million left over and then how do you break it up where do you spend it this is um, the, the most interesting choices that you get to make as a leader in your organization because it's not there are great percentages and great recommendations in terms of how much you spend on something mm -hmm. but it's not a guarantee it's really a choice. So in our case, uh, after you remove cost of goods, which in a design development studio, our designers, our developers, our project managers, and our product managers, mm -hmm. um, then you have all other 
active resources that are employees in the company. Right. Uh, those include internal operations people, internal finance people, uh, executive team that are not allocated to projects. Mm -hmm. uh, those all represent the salary base for people in your OPEX, in your operations team. Right. And then you add into that OPEX the costs of everything like rent, um, literally anything else you could imagine. Uh, we should probably share out a, a spreadsheet for this at some yeah. point because there's a great way to plan for your year and make sure that you're accounting for the things yeah. that you, you know you're going to uh, you know you're going to, to spend right. Mm -hmm. like we know we're going to spend two hundred dollars a month on food and so on and right, so right, on, right. and I'm going to have a couple of dinners <laughs> and etc. Uh, all of that stuff you account for and it gets worked into your opex uh, cost. So for us, our opex percentage. Uh, our total, you know, spent on OPEX for the year was about 860, 870,000, mm -hmm. uh, and the percentage was about 22 or 23 mm -hmm. percent, uh, whether you're right. talking about accrual or cash, right. uh, respectively. Um, that is pretty standard and pretty recommended percentages, but it can be wildly different depending on the size of your organization yeah. and how where you're at. If you're a five-person team and everyone works on projects, you know, you're just getting started and everyone is right. you know, hustling to grow the, the thing, then your OPEX cost is going to be really low because mm -hmm. essentially everyone is a cost of goods cost. Yep. Uh, your OPEX cost starts to increase the, the minute you've reached a scale where you need to have people working on things that aren't project work. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so thinking back, like, you know, for us, we didn't start really incurring OPEX costs until... Uh, we were maybe, I don't know, 10 people. We probably, in hindsight, probably should have started incurring, you know, before that. But, uh, you know, when you're only a couple of people, like Cody said, you're not really incurring it. At our size, though, you, you start incurring some, some good costs. And, um, you know, maybe initially you're just spending on rent and, and uh, maybe some internal operations people. And then as you start growing, you start spending more money on marketing and sales. So maybe that would be an interesting one is, um, I was always curious about this for other people, um, when you're running a business of this size, how much do you spend on marketing and sales? Mm -hmm. So marketing and sales was next, uh, and then it is the, the, really the only other remaining spend that gets factored in before everything else comes out as profit. Mm -hmm. uh, and for us, marketing spend, even with the increase that we, we tactically decided to make this year, which is like, we're going to go in and spend a, a little bit on marketing. We're mm -hmm. going to uh, kind of start throwing, throwing our weight around and seeing how this plays out. Um, even with that, we really only invested about 250000 into mm -hmm. marketing, 254000 exactly. Uh, and that actually only mapped to 6% uh, of our accrual revenue and 7% of our cash revenue. Uh, uh, yeah, right, right. So in truth, our marketing spend uh, would actually be light for yeah. organizations of our size. That's actually true. I think at the start of the year, we had projected out to try and, you know, when we looked at four million and where we're spending money, uh, it's all just a game of percentages. So we said 50% on COGS. I think we had line items in there actually like 10% for, for sales and marketing. Um, which would you would you say that's pretty like industry standard? Yeah, ten percent. Ten percent. It's really a little light. And, and you could even you could even increase a little bit when you add in a robust sales organization. Mm -hmm. So if you have a robust sales organization right. and a like dedicated marketing team, I could see you go between ten and fifteen. Right. Uh, but we're we're actually light. Um, and we should even tell the story a little bit of how that year went. Right. So yeah. we had a uh, we had a sales um, biz dev resource for three to four months of the year. 
um, who sourced some new relationships, but ultimately the resource didn't really work out. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't able to bring in and source enough work to make sense for it to be a full-time resource. Mm -hmm. uh, we also um, ramped up an internal marketing team where we had a full-time marketing lead, a, uh, a marketing contractor working on uh, you know ad, um, ad budgets and, right. and, and right. paid and, and the conversion funnel. And then we also had a, um, a content writer on team as well. Mm -hmm. um, but we ramped up that team and kind of ran it as an experiment for a few months. Uh, but you know, good analysis of that marketing funnel and performance essentially determined that we weren't really able to bring in enough new work to maintain that spend. Right. Uh, that spend, just as we kind of talked about in the initiatives uh, podcast, if you haven't listened, go back listen to that one. It's pretty <laughs> interesting. Uh, but that spend starts to feel like a burden, and you have these resources, and you need to really map them to performance. Mm -hmm. uh, so we ran that experiment, and the performance wasn't there. Um, so we parted ways with some of those resources, and now coming into 2019, we want to look back on that marketing budget and be a little bit more tactical and a little bit more performance driven. Uh, so could have spent more. Uh, but do I think in as you kind of graph this stuff out and look at your year, um, looking back at our year, I'm happy that we didn't spend more yeah. because I feel like had we, we would have just spent more money without uh, doing good analysis in terms of how to get the most value from the spend. Yeah, yeah. I don't think if we, in theory, what you want from your marketing and sales spend is you you spend more, so then your revenue goes up and, yeah. and your profit goes up. I think uh, said a different way. Even if we could spend, which by the way, we had the money to do it, we could have spent another 100,000, 200,000. We hadn't figured out where we could spend that additional 150. And then instead of 4 million top line, it goes to 4.5. We, mm -hmm. we hadn't really figured that out. So instead of just spending it because we have it, uh, right, um, we're keeping that cash. And now, you know, the goal is to spend it so that you have an ROI in it. We just hadn't figured that out, uh, to be honest. So that's a uh, that's if you listen listen to the initiatives like Cody said one of our big things for the next year is really figuring out uh, that that marketing and sales engine uh, so that we can put in you know dollars consistently and know that there's an ROI so that, that does beg the question um, if uh, if marketing and sales wasn't working too much or, or as well as we would have hoped how, how did we get four million in revenue? Uh, good question. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, our our total revenue for the year, the four million, uh, essentially, the, came from uh, there's about one million. Um, if you round it up, about mm. one million came from new projects started in 2018. Right. Uh, there was actually three million that came from projects that had started either long before or slightly before. 2018. Yep. Uh, just as an agency kind of um, metric, um, you always want to get an idea of the balance of when you have a partner, how much subsequent work comes on after that initial project and carries on for the next year or years. Uh, you could call it your upsell um, value for a given partner. Um, if you look at this balance for us for the year, uh, we had an extremely high upsell value per partner. Mm -hmm. Which is that we had started a bunch of big projects at the end of 2017, and they continued on through the entirety of 2018, mm -hmm. and really resulted in a lot of our total revenue came from those projects. Right. Which is great. So that's a plus. Yeah. But we also wanted to be actually bringing in more new revenue. Mm -hmm. um, so that is maybe one of the, the more uh, the bigger downsides of our yeah. sort of analysis of how 2018 went would have been, 
ideally the balance between pre-existing 2017 project revenue and new revenue was a little more even. Mm -hmm. uh, and had that been the case, uh, we would have right. we would have broke we would have gone six yeah we've gone to six six right. million in total revenue. Yeah. Um, that's why I also think I think your analysis there before you say say one more thing is right. you can look at the whole year picture but but what's interesting is if you just look at it and you say wow you guys did great four four million uh -huh. broke the net profit number if you just look at the numbers you're like you know w what's there to to be uh, upset about it it's not maybe upset's not the right word but once you dive into the numbers you start realizing. Hey, actually, we we left uh, money on the table, so to speak. Like we could have actually uh, done more than four. Mm -hmm. We could have done six had we actually kind of hit, uh, done a little bit better on the sales side. Yeah, uh, in good good other sort of metrics related to that are that we, we basically we started twenty four new projects in the year. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an average of two new projects a month, um, which is an. A, a great number to keep in mind in terms of how you want to project your growth and also right. how you want to plan out your team's like attention and like so you have great kickoff resources that need to be there to help shape new things mm -hmm. uh, you need to think about how many new projects are starting on average and what that maps in terms of new revenue were, uh, were those all new projects for new partners or are some of those new projects for existing partners? You know, I need to double check on the metric yeah. um, I need to double check uh, but if I just eyeball it don't want to put you on the spot here. Yeah. I, was a, I was actually curious myself. I, would, I don't I remember would, that I one. I would need to check if we, um, the, the discrepancy in what that would be for us is if we signed a new SOW. Right. And it wasn't just, just an right, extension right. on an existing SOW, right. uh, then it would be considered as a new project. Right. Um, and also just for reference, historically, uh, I've been running a similar type of numbers, uh, you know, kind of since we started. And what we found in general was if you look back on the last year, it's typically about 50-50 uh, new business versus existing business. So this is the first year where you really see a, a bigger discrepancy of 75-25. So again, it's a, it's a good thing, but also, uh, you know, not a good thing um, at the same time. So I think that's an interesting number. Yeah. And then the, uh, to me, the, the other more interesting number to take a look at, uh, to consider in mm -hmm. your own business in terms of how it affects and relates to all of these financial values is what is the size of your team? Mm -hmm. uh, so it, our average team size for the year was 26 people. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's a split between uh, contractors and full-time you know, salaried team mm -hmm. members. Uh, at, at any given moment, uh, it kind of moved up and down between right. 20, uh, and the, the peak for us was about 32. Yep. Um, and that, that, uh, that, that metric is, is important because it's, you can then start to calculate your revenue per person. Right. Uh, like what, it, what do you need to make for a given resource that is working on the team? Um, but also it you know, just helps you understand like, uh, the, um, the amount of organizational carry that you have uh, across the you know, your right. entire resource uh, pool. Yeah, that's a great number to look at. Um, and another one that just came off, off the top of my head that you know, in hindsight, I would have liked to know for other people is, uh, and, and I don't think we have it on this spreadsheet, we definitely have this broken up, is uh, like how much do you spend on rent? And uh, mm -hmm. over the year, it, it shifted because we moved offices and we saved some money. Uh, but I think if you averaged it out, and again, we have this number just not in front of us, uh, probably around, I don't know, 12 or 13,000 a month on average, because we mm -hmm. started the year at about 16,000 in rent. Then at one point we dropped down to seven or eight and now we're, we're hovering around 11, but maybe it was like 12 through the year. So I don't know, that's, that's like 150K 
uh, on rent. Uh, those are those are New York numbers. So if you're in yeah. Kansas, <laughs> you're gonna go there. So, so as a, as a percentage, what is that like five five percent? Or I'm maybe yeah. I'm messing up the numbers here. But but anyways, 150k in rent on on four million uh, in revenue. Just so you know, maybe that's helpful for everyone out there. Um, okay. Um, Let's see if there's anything else. That, that, that's a pretty pretty good summary. Um, it was pretty consistent over the year, Q1 through Q4. Um, are there any closing thoughts that, uh, that might be helpful uh, for people or any takeaways uh, that you want to share with people as we're wrapping up here? Yeah, um, strong recommendations that I would make. Um, definitely create a mechanism so that when you're talking about these values, one, you can see them month over month, it's extremely important. Uh, two, you can see their ultimate uh, you know, average for the year, mm -hmm. that way you really wanna know kind of what this is like. Uh, and then also actually sit down and do the graphing, like the, the visual graphing mm -hmm. of these values uh, juxtaposed against some of each other, kind of do like a cross data analysis because it tells a story about things that happened in your company that when you do things like our you know, 2019 planning, you wanna look back on moments over the last year and say, what happened here? Uh, and we had some yep. of those moments. You know, we, we had a big um, organizational transition, you know, like creating a president role, right. uh, shifting sales responsibility, working with a marketing team and then not working with a marketing team. And you can see literally in the graphs the impact of those decisions. Yes. And they can also m make you sort of cognizant and more aware of, well, if I'm about to make a big decision, I have to think about what that does to everything else because now I can see what it does to everything else mm -hmm. uh, and be prepared for that. Yeah. Um, so I, th I think that's very important. Um, let's see, anything else? I think that's also just to add on onto that. Numbers, and especially the financials, are really a lagging indicator. Uh, as a term you might have heard before, but it's essentially like, we'll take some action, and then maybe it might be a month later or three months later, when all of a sudden you see the impact of it. So for example, you you try some marketing initiative, and then hopefully revenue goes up in, in two or three months, or or, or it, uh, you know profit goes down or whatever it is. So it's really good to look at the numbers and track them, and then uh, you'll be able to see, oh, that action we took three months ago now we're, we're seeing the impact. I think that's an important thing. Um, one thing that I just thought of, which is, which is really important um, to also note, is that these numbers, uh, there's a big caveat with the, the net profit. It doesn't take into account any sort of salary or amount that uh, I personally got paid uh, because of the way the numbers are, are done and how we're structured as an LLC, is that technically uh, as an LLC, I am not a W-2 employee so really what happens is out of that profit then that's where uh, I get paid and you know have living expenses and that sort of thing so that's one one little note uh, with that is that you're missing one one expense which is mm -hmm. is me so wanted to throw that out there and also <laughs> I mean this would change dramatically if the way you're approaching your organization is like shared ownership or you know people totally. have equity considerations and this is really for uh, you know, a service-based business that is owned by a single individual. Right. Um, and, and you could change that in such that you do have a salary that is calculated right. in as an employee. We just don't do it that way. Yeah, we don't do that way. And uh, and even next year, we're, we're keeping it like that next year. Last year in 2018, I was, I was much more hands-on um, on an operational side. Next year, 
we will not be uh, having me, uh, you know, again as as a you know taking money out of the business. And but this time it's more justified in the sense where uh, I will not be involved in, in the day to day. So uh, we can kind of even remove that caveat next year. But uh, wanted to throw that out there as a last thing. So. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think that's been a great summary, right? Yeah. So summary of 2018 numbers. Um, we will we will publish the uh, December numbers, the yes. 2018 uh, summary numbers, and, and some of the representation of the stuff we've talked about on the Jack website blog at byjack.com, uh, where we publish all of our financials, um, and they are there in addition to this conversation for anyone working in this industry, just getting started, to look at and to potentially kind of model against, uh, you know, safe and sane percentages to think about your own growth and kind of approach it responsibly. Yep. So be sure to go on there if you want to keep in touch. Uh, every month we're, we're releasing them. So it's not just the 2018. You're going to see every month this year, January, February, March, etc. Um, so go check that out. So uh, on that note, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, Cody, thank you for uh, being yeah. here. Um, and uh, that's it for this episode of Reflections of a CEO. See you next time.